This is everything I imagined. When we said to come back, it was a lot of us. We said we had unfinished business. So I'll leave y'all with this. Business is finished. Hello and welcome. It is a post-national championship edition of Always College Football. I'm Greg McElroy. We just watched Michigan capture their 10th national championship and their first undisputed national championship in 75 years. We watched history tonight, ladies and gentlemen. It was incredible here in the building. The final score, 34 to 13, but the game was much, much closer than that. We will break it down in its entirety. It was a tremendous performance from start to finish from Michigan. They are worthy champions. It was incredible, so special to be a part of. A couple of personal anecdotes from when we were on the field just a moment ago, interacting with some of the players and a couple of the parents as well. But we will, of course, break it down. What does it mean for Washington? What does it mean for Michigan? What does it mean for college football? So let's not waste any time. It's our national championship game breakdown right here on ACF. Well, Michigan did not waste any time. It felt like, at least early on, I thought Washington would hold up. Frankly, looking at Washington's defensive group, they don't rotate a ton. They do. They put a few guys in there, but it's mostly edge guys. Occasionally at linebacker, they're rolling a bunch. I was under the impression coming into this game that, well, of course, we knew Michigan would try to establish the run. I just didn't think they'd have so much success early. A big reason why they had success is if you look at the linebackers for Washington, they were constantly dealing with misdirection and they were constantly committing eye violations. I thought Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator, did an incredible job of being able to create seams in the run game and force Edifuan Ulafoshio and his running mates there at the second level to Patala and Carson Bruner. Those guys were having to see an awful lot with misdirection, tight ends going across the formation. You got counter looks. And then Donovan Edwards, he gets stopped initially, finds a crease at the left-hand side, and he takes it the distance for his longest run of the season. At that point, you're thinking, oh boy, this thing could get sideways. At least that was the initial reaction, I think, of many college football fans seeing Michigan impose their will. Washington answers with a nice drive of their own. Fortunately, on that drive, they had to waste two timeouts. A couple of times where they didn't get the formation and basically trading in those two timeouts for only three points. They got down in the red zone, and that's where I thought they might struggle. I was concerned. Without Dylan Johnson at 100%, he tried to go. It was a valiant effort, but he clearly wasn't the same guy that we saw against Oregon. He wasn't the same guy that we saw against Texas. And really, the last half of the season, he was clearly banged up, had the foot injury, had the knee injury. So when the field condensed and they couldn't stretch Michigan vertically and Michigan could just latch on right there with their heels at the goal line, that's when it was going to be very difficult for Washington to punch it in. Trading touchdowns for field goals, they couldn't do so on the opening drive. They have to settle for three. Then Michigan comes right back out again. Right down the field, a big play this time. Handoff to the left. Donovan Edwards gets stopped initially. And then, boom, out the gate, the backside to the right-hand side. Similar crease and actually similarly misplayed to the first touchdown by Donovan Edwards. The linebackers got squeezed. Ulafoshio really brought all the way in over the center. There was nobody home on the backside, and there were some poor angles taken by the safeties as well for the Washington Huskies. Right out of the gate, if you could script the start to this game for Michigan any better, I'd like to know how. It was a tremendous start. 
in the football game. And then things change just a little bit. They exchange a couple punts. I believe Washington, they kicked one, not too, didn't have much going offensively after that. Then you think about when Michigan started to kind of settle in a little bit. Washington started to settle in. They were much more gap sound. They ended up playing more Carson Bruner and a little less Tupatala. They ended up going with a couple other guys there at the second level that were maybe just playing a little bit better and they settled in a little bit. They started to move their front. They started to stem their defensive line and Michigan had a little bit of a difficult time at that point finding space there in the run game. They were still able to churn it out a little bit, ground and pound, but it wasn't the explosive runs that we saw in the first couple drives of the game. As the game got to halftime, you started to think, all right, Washington's really got to put something together here. Felt like everything was kind of working against them. Penix was completely out of rhythm. They start going to a little bit of a tempo type of approach. They start to get to a little more empty, starting to spread Michigan out a little bit, and they found a little success there on the last drive before the end of half. They ended up cashing it in for a touchdown on the fourth down conversion, which was massive. And then ultimately they go into halftime at 17-10. At that point, it was an opportunity for Michigan and for Washington to kind of collect themselves. And the third quarter really lacked a lot of fireworks. There wasn't a whole lot in it. A couple of field goals exchanged. You had the interception by Penix. I thought it was a really bad decision by him. He had a receiver open on a little stick route in the slot. Steady holds it for way too long. Tries to throw one late to Tybo Rogers, I believe, down the left sideline. It's intercepted by Will Johnson. It was a good job by Washington's defense holding Michigan to three right there because that could have been a backbreaker coming out of the half with a sudden change turnover that they cash in for six. After some uneventful moments there in the third quarter, the fourth quarter started to provide some fireworks. One of the biggest plays of the game was the holding call on Roger Rosengarden, the right tackle. It was a big play at the time. It was 20 to 13. They hit a big play down the right sideline to Roma Dunze. It's wiped out by what I thought was a really bad call. Now, ultimately, if they don't call that, does it change the outcome of the game? I don't know, probably not. But still at the same time, that was a really bad call. I thought the officiating crew had a really nice night with the exception of that one call because that wiped out a big gain to Roma Dunze down the right sideline. And they just never really were able to create momentum after that. Finally, touched a big play to Colston Loveland on an RPO. J.J. McCarthy at that point had been very quiet in the passing game. They come out, start the drive, throw it to him. He has a nice catch and run to give him great field position. And they pound it in at that point to take a two-score lead. The interception to Sainer still basically sealed it. He took it all the way back, almost took it to the house. We were excited about seeing Mike Sainer still playing as well as he did because he was one of our X-Factors when evaluating this matchup. And I thought at times he was maybe the best defensive player on the field for the Michigan Wolverines. They punch it in there late to give themselves an emphatic 34-13 victory, and then they hold on there at the end and don't allow anything else to Michael Penix and company. How do we sum it up? Let's sum it up right now by saying this. Michigan's plan defensively was top-notch. Like, way, way, way top-notch. With the way they mixed their pressures, there were times when it looked like they were blitzing from the left, but in all actuality, they were blitzing from the right. They were constantly harassing Michael Penix. He got hit time and time again. And there at the end of the game, it looked like he was favoring maybe his ribs or his midsection. He just 
didn't look healthy. Of course, he got rolled up on the interception at the end, at the beginning of the third quarter, hurt his right ankle at that point, said there was no problems, wouldn't tape it. But I do wonder if that right ankle did play a factor in his inaccuracy. I've watched Michael Penix throw every single pass this season, every single one, and I thought that was probably as off the mark as he'd been all season long. He missed a long one to Odunze on fourth down early in the game. He missed a couple more to Odunze down the field. He just never looked comfortable. And the throws that have been very routine for him, for instance, a little corner route to the right-hand side, guy is wide open, I believe it was Jalen Polk, wide open, and he throws it too high. For whatever reason, the greatness that we've gotten from Michael Penix in the first 14 games of the year, it just wasn't to be tonight. But all the credit really needs to go to Washington and how they played to this point. They set the bar really, really high, but now in this game, all the credit has to go to the Michigan Wolverines defensive alignment. They were able to constantly get pressure, but I also think the disguises in the back end were really important. At one point, prior to the deep throw to Odunze, they had only had a 16-yard completion. That was their longest play of the game for three and a half quarters. That's just not who Washington is. Michigan forced them to play their style of football, and that's not a style that was gonna be conducive to success for the Washington Huskies. It was an amazing performance defensively from start to finish by Jesse Minner and the entire defensive staff. As far as what Michigan accomplished offensively, we thought they'd be able to run the ball. I just didn't think they'd be able to run with that type of explosiveness. We've talked all season long about this Michigan rushing attack. They're a handful and they're gonna stay committed to it. They're gonna stay patient, but they didn't always have the home run hitting ability that we saw tonight especially early in the game. Both Edwards and Corum eclipsed the 100-yard mark. They rushed for over 300 yards as a team, including some timely yards from J.J. McCarthy. Had that big third down scramble when they were backed up to kind of flip the field. Had another nice run after that to the left-hand side. He didn't run often, but when he did, he was very, very effective. What does this mean for Michigan moving forward? They were the best team in college football all season long. Now, there were moments of inconsistency most notably in the game against Penn State, they didn't play great offensively. They ran the ball really well and cashed in a couple. They didn't play great against Maryland. That was by far their worst performance of the year. And they played really, really solid against Ohio State, but it was for the most part unspectacular offensively. But from start to finish, this has been a defensive-oriented football team, and that group was relentless, not just tonight, but over the course of their unblemished 15-0 regular season, postseason, and Big Ten championship game. Have you ever dreamed of hitting the road in your very own customized Mercedes-Benz Sprinter? Follow college football all season long by hitting all the biggest games in college football's most celebrated stadiums. At ESPN, we dreamed that dream, and with the help of Mercedes-Benz, we made it happen. This year, our very own Jen Latta has teamed up with Mercedes-Benz designers to create a road-ready, fully functional, state-of-the-art podcast studio on wheels. The ride is pure Mercedes-Benz with all-wheel drive and the latest driver assistance, safety, and tech. The podcast studio must be seen and heard to be believed. A spacious and chill conversation space with mics, camera, and mixing board to capture the action. On board, Jen Latta will be interviewing some of the biggest names in college football. 
all points to Mercedes-Benz for always bringing some extra. Out back of the Sprinter, they're innovating, pushing the science of the tailgate, complete with grill, cooler, TV monitors, and more. This is hashtag van life meets the fan life. To get an inside look to this one-of-a-kind, blow-your-mind collaboration came together, visit mbvans.com slash Sprinter Labs. The Mercedes-Benz ESPN College Football Podcast Sprinter coming soon to a game near you. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. Well, Coach, you've escaped the, the Gatorade all this time. Yeah. How sweet does this little bath feel right now? It's pretty great. You know, you watch this confetti come down. It's like thousands of confetti. It tells a story. There's a story in every one of those pieces of confetti. The amazing blue confetti. Just so proud of our team. What's Incredible. the story that your team tells tonight, Coach? It's hard to be perfect. 15-0. Took on all comers. And uh, the last one standing. Champions. You're the son of a coach. You've been in these moments before, but how's this one different because it's yours and your team's? Uh, it's it's just such a glorious feeling. I mean, really don't have any more words than that, you know. Maybe maybe to quote J.J. McCarthy, bet. <laughs> hey, coach, who has it better than you right now? Nobody. Thank you. Thank you. Jim Harbaugh, has he coached his final game for the Michigan Wolverines? I personally believe that he has. According to sources, Everyone is buzzing about Jim Harbaugh and whether or not he's going to jump to the NFL. He came to Michigan to do one thing and to restore the order of Michigan football. He has now taken them to the top of the mountain. He can do nothing more for this program. They're in a remarkable place. Moving into the new era of college football, the 12-team playoff and the new Big Ten, there's nobody in the Big Ten that's going to be able to look at Michigan right now the way they looked at Michigan in 2015 when Jim Harbaugh took over as the head coach. He did an amazing job. And I know there have been people that has been trying to kind of paint it with a tainted picture. I don't view it that way at all. This team had to overcome remarkable, remarkable adversity. The three-game suspension to begin the season, the three-game suspension to end the regular season, and they were able to compartmentalize the disappointment, come together as a team, Sharon Moore navigating them through those difficult times and route to a 6-0 record with Jim Harbaugh not on the sideline. This is an incredible football team. They really are, they're an incredible football team. They're not flashy, but they're old school. And there's a lot of things to like about the old school style of football winning on the biggest possible stage. As we as a sport have navigated more towards the spread, more towards elite weapons, more towards trying to fill it up in the stat sheet and fill it up on the scoreboard, Jim Harbaugh in 2021 decided after a disappointing 2020 COVID year to go back to what he knew. He went back to the Stanford style of attack where it was three yards in a cloud of dust. They're going to punch you in the face and they're going to be the most physical football team on the field every single time they go out into a stadium to play against their opponent. It was an amazing culmination of what they've done over the last three years and they are deserving champions tonight. The most complete team in college football was crowned the champions, which is a fitting way to finish what was an outstanding 2023 college football season. 
What story are these confetti pieces telling right now? It was a, it was a journey, a spiritual journey. Just took counsel from God, the Holy Spirit, this team, everybody, unanimous support for each other. I ain't got a question, but my dad does. Jack Harbaugh, what's your question? I have a question. A question, if I might. Who has us? No. What does this mean, Jim, to be able to share this? Those look good on you, pal. Those look good on you. Will Johnson, too. Will Johnson, too. What, is, what does it mean to be able to share this with your dad, your brother John here, and to reach this pinnacle for a university and a place you love? Yeah, I just want to say to my two great loves, my family at work, this team, and my family at home, I love you. I love you. Congratulations. Jim, when you think about what your mission was when you came back to Michigan, a Michigan man, which he says means so much to you, what does this mean for Michigan football big picture in the modern era, the first undisputed championship? 15-0, uh, this is a spectacular team, and I would just say there are over 100, 100 Michigan men that are on this team in uniform tonight, and what they've done for the last 372 days is amazing. They're champions simply known as national champions. Pull it down, pull it down. We did that, we did that. Great to hear from the national championship winning head coach, Jim Harbaugh right there. We now have 10 years of the four team college football playoff that has officially been put to bed. We will spend the next eight months previewing what the 12 team format like, might look like, but I don't think any of us at this point know exactly what's in store as we move into the new era. But the Big Ten bookended the four-team playoff era with championships, 2014 Ohio State and 2023 Michigan. And it's amazing to me just how similar those games felt when watching Oregon against Ohio State in the national championship, a Heisman Trophy winning Marcus Mariota leading the Ducks, and they were completely beaten to a pulp by the Ohio State Buckeyes on that night behind Ezekiel Elliott and Cardale Jones and a very, very physical and aggressive defense. This thing felt very similar. Blake Corum goes off, Donovan Edwards goes off, and the defense was completely stifling en route to holding Michael Penix to maybe his worst performance, not statistically, but his worst performance from an accuracy standpoint of the entire season. He didn't win the Heisman, but he finished second. So those performances very, very similar, and it proves that the old school way of doing business still has a place here in the modern era of college football. Hey, college football fans, whether you're on the field or in the stands, make sure you're well protected, like having a solid defense to shut down that wide receiver in the final quarter, opening lanes for your running backs to do their thing, and of course, reliability when protecting your quarterback, because great coverage is a game changer. That's why Allstate provides that same protection off the field, giving you reliable coverage and game-winning protection for everything that matters, helping you stay game day ready every day. So get protected with Allstate.
Visit Allstate.com or call a local agent today to learn more. Brought to you by Allstate. You're in good hands. Insurance coverage is subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. That'll do it for us here from Houston. It's been a terrific four days here on site, spending time with these teams, spending time with these players. I want to tip my cap to the Washington Huskies. They had a tremendous season. They just ran into a buzzsaw tonight, and that buzzsaw were the national champion Michigan Wolverines. For all of us at Always College Football, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys, all the wonderful people that have watched our show all season long, the millions of minutes consumed the millions of views that we've gotten the millions of podcast downloads that we've received we wouldn't be here if it weren't for you so i just want you to know from the bottom of my heart it's been a pleasure it really has the good news is we're not going anywhere the off season the 2024 season starts on thursday so tune in like rate and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast we will continue churning out content for the next eight months to set the stage for what should be a remarkably different looking college football season here in 2024. So for our incredible crew, our local crew from Houston, if you're with us for once, you're with us for life. We love you guys and we appreciate you guys. For Jack and Jack, who've done an amazing job all season long, helping me out, helping out from a social standpoint, and just being good dudes. And for my good friend, Mark Kubiak, as much as I loathe him, on a night like tonight where we are jubilant and we are going to celebrate, I love you, Mark. Thanks for all you do for college football. I'm Greg McElroy. We hope you enjoyed the season and we hope you enjoy what was a terrific, terrific year of college football. For all of us here at ACF, we wish you nothing but the best and we'll see you on Thursday. Remember, it's always college football. <laughs>